Hello, I'm Paula Jenkins, a transformative life coach and podcaster. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that talks about the stories of people following their hearts, finding work that lights them up, and looking at how joy plays a part in their journey. To learn more about this podcast or to find out more about me, just head on over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 34 of Jumpstart Your Joy. This week's guest is Laura Sims, a career coach and expert in meaningful work. I want to give a big welcome to all of the new and returning listeners. Thanks, you guys, so much for all of your comments and great feedback on last week's episode, which was When Joy Meets Purpose, and it was a solo cast. If you want to go back and give it a listen, or if you would like to see the whole video recording of it, along with two great workbooks, you can head over to the site at Jumpstart Your Joy. Thanks so much for all of your great feedback about last week's episode, which was a solo cast on When Joy Meets Purpose. If you would like to go back and see the video, I basically turned it into a small e-course. It has two workbooks to download as well. And you can sign up for that at jumpstartyourjoy.com. If you look under the top nav under tools, you can get access to that whole thing. And I'm also hard at work on what I'm calling Jumpstart Your Podcast, which will be a, a podcasting class. Uh, it'll first go into beta, so if you might be interested in being in our live beta, I'll be teaching it um, live and capping it to a very limited number of students so I can give you very dedicated attention. And if you are interested, email me at paula at jumpstartyourjoy.com. I would love to have you join us. It will be starting in mid-May, so that's 2016. So if you're curious about the show and you want to subscribe, you can look us up on iTunes, Stitcher, or now on Google Play Music. Under Jumpstart Your Joy, please hit the subscribe button and leave a favorable review if you're already there. If you're curious about this specific episode, you can go to the website for all of the show notes, and that's at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash Sims. And I will be linking up to all of the things that we talk about in this episode and also give you the timestamps on when we're talking about things if you want to follow along. I want to welcome Laura Sims to the program. She is a career coach and an expert in meaningful work. We will be talking about her transition from from being an actor into becoming a career coach and how she walks her own clients now through the process of finding a career that is driven by purpose instead of simply passion. I think you're going to love what she has to say. And so without further ado, here is Laura. Welcome to the show, Laura. Hi, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Hey, so glad to have you here. Would you like to tell us about what you loved most as a child? What were your early sparks of joy? Yeah, I was an animal nut as a kid. I just loved any kind of furry animal I could cuddle, really. (laughs) I grew up with lots of dogs and cats and an irresponsible number of kittens. But we also, I had a pet raccoon growing up, which was really fun. And my dad was a real outdoorsman and he would come home from adventures with a groundhog or an owl that we would keep for a few days and then a return. So anything animal nature outdoors, I just loved. Okay, that's awesome. So 
How was the raccoon as a pet? Oh, she was wonderful. So we adopted her from this place in Tennessee called, appropriately enough, Raccoon Mountain. At the time, they were the only place in the state that was licensed to breed and raise raccoons. So we, you know, like got her, adopted her when she was young and had to feed her from a preemie bottle. And we had to burp her. And she she slept on a little heating pad. I mean, it was really like taking care of a young child when she was little. But she was really affectionate and just so smart and a very fun, high maintenance, but fun pet. That's awesome. Yeah, I grew up, my dad raised parrots. So we had like a garage full of of parrots that were breeding. (laughs) So we would raise the little ones just, you know, from a spoon. And yeah. That's a different thing. It's neat for a kid to get to experience that kind of like bringing up of of a critter. Um, Yeah, we got her when I was about eight years old. And it was just neat to kind of be able to grow up with her and and have that kind of playmate. (laughs) Very cool. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for entertaining the question about her. (laughs) So your more recent work or your your current work is around helping people find work that feels like home. And how do you do that? Through a process, you know, I use a curriculum that I've developed over the last few years. You know, I used to kind of take people through this, let's meet for 12 sessions and work through all this stuff. And that was fine. But just after doing the work for a while, it really hit me that while everyone has their own individual needs and questions and life circumstances, if we're talking about finding meaningful work, something that feels like home, that feels like you just get to show up and be who you are and do what you're good at. There are really a few core things we need to figure out individually and then find how to combine them. So I've kind of got it like boiled down to this, a bit of a science. That's what we do. That is really cool. Can you share any of that with us? Like yeah. Something sure. someone should start looking for now if they're like <laughs> driving into work. <laughs> they're like, no, I can't do this. I know. And I listen, I have been there. So yeah, I feel for you too. if that's the case. I guess I'm going to have a different ideology than a lot of career experts would. You know, there's a lot of advice out there to follow your passion. And that's what you need to look at. You need to look at the things that light you up and that you get in a flow state around and then go figure out and how to monetize those. And I think for some people, that's great. Go do that. If that doesn't work out, come talk to me because what I will tell you (laughs) is that instead of starting from this place of passion, let's start from a place of purpose. So let's look at what's underneath the the passion. Let's look at what's driving you to do that activity in the first place. I want to know what your core motivation is, almost like what's the DNA level of Mm. the things you like to do and how you want to help people and the change you want to create And let's start there and use that as the foundation for your career. So if you're driving into work, gritting your teeth, uh, crying on the inside, (laughs) instead of daydreaming about your passions, start thinking about what really matters to me, even not trying to relate it to some career, right? But just me as a person, what do I stand for? What do I believe in? What kind of change would I like to see in the world? And that is such a strong place to start. So that's that's what we do. And we've both been there. So it yeah. gets better. Yeah, it does. Because <laughs> you had been a successful actress, but you mentioned several places that you had a eureka moment that led you to change gears. Could you tell us about that moment? Yeah. So there is a moment, but I just want to say that it was more like a eureka glacier that mm. <laughs> wants yeah. to kind of span that distance and for me to really yeah. get it. I had a really hard time letting go of the career that I loved 
when I didn't love it anymore. It was just such a hard mental shift and identity shift. It made no sense to me why I would stop doing this thing after all these years. So it was a definitely a slow realization <laughs> process. But there was a moment when I had been working on a TV show for the day. And, I, you know, I just had this awesome day. Here I am, like I'm on set, you know, I've been to wardrobe and they've done my hair and I've got my own trailer and I really hit it off with one of the series regulars on the show. And in between takes, we were talking about grad school and the art of acting and the business mm -hmm. and all this stuff, you know, just had this awesome day and I got home and the thought just kind of popped into my head. Is anyone's day better? Like, is anyone's life better because of how I spent my day? And is my life better because of how I spent my day? And I wasn't sure, you know, not that the work I was doing didn't matter or wasn't enjoyable or didn't make a difference. I felt like it didn't make a difference on the scale that I wanted. It just, you know, acting as something that I loved for years and years and years and pursued hardcore. And now that, you know, now that like I was doing more higher profile jobs and, and getting to really kind of play with the big kids more, it didn't feel like it mattered that much. So that was the moment, you know, if, if I've spent my whole day doing the thing that I've been working towards doing for years and years, and it feels like it doesn't matter, is it going to feel like it matters when I'm a series regular? Or if I, you know, had a leading role in a big time movie, is that going to be any different? You know, and I, I didn't think that if I kept chasing and climbing and all of that stuff, I thought even if I hit the pinnacle of the career I want in this field, I don't think it's going to be that satisfying. Yeah. Ooh, that's, yeah, that's really good stuff right there. Cause I, I mean, I hit a similar both plateau and then realization around, I was a project manager in advertising and there was a real integrity issue there for me. I mean, different than what, what you're saying, but like I'd go in and tell people, you know, how they needed to buy car wax or a certain bleach <laughs> or whatever all day. And then I'd go on the weekend and do retreats and, you know, don't listen to what everyone's saying. Like <laughs> right. I was stuck in the middle of this odd space where I'm doing one thing to bring in money and I like the creativity. But the other side of it was like, this is actually kind of undoing some of the things that I really hold dear to my heart. So, right. And I feel gosh. like so. Being an actor, that was my big passion career, right? I just, I mm. loved it and I felt so good while I was doing it. And I mean, there is a magic that happens in that career that I don't have in this career that I miss, you know? Mm. So um, it's not that it was a bad choice for me. It's not that I did the wrong thing or I did something that was frivolous. You know, it was a fine choice, but it just got to the point where it wasn't giving me what I wanted. And I think that's a really important thing to remember as you're moving through life, what you want changes and your priorities change mm -hmm. and you've got to learn how to roll with it instead of just death gripping the mm -hmm. thing that you wanted to do when you were 22 years old. You know, we change and our careers need to be able to change as we do. Yeah. And, and I think it's hard because what is it that lots of us are our mothers or fathers work 30 years and, and get the gold watch or whatever, yeah. whatever that token was and feel really good about themselves, or at least that's what we saw. What do you think has changed? Or, I mean, is it society or was it that maybe our mom or dad also was longing for something mid-career, but just said, this is the path and this is what I'm doing and I should be grateful? You know, I think there's some of both. You know, my dad is a career attorney and has been with the, not just in the same career, but with the same firm for close to 40 years. Wow. I mean, I just can't imagine that. 
And it, this is something that I, I call the boomer blueprint. The idea that you go to college, have a pretty good idea of what you want to do. So you major in that thing, you get out of school, you get a job in that field, you work your way up, you do this job, you expect that you will have a life, maybe evenings and weekends, you suit up to kind of become this different person at work than you are when you're just being able to relax. You work, work, work so that someday you can retire and breathe easy. And we don't want that anymore. We want much more integration between work and life. We want our work to make a difference. We want to have a sense of contribution. We want to have a sense of ownership, even if we don't technically own any part of the company. We want to continue to grow personally and professionally. And we want to enjoy life now. You know, we don't want to defer until we're who knows what the retirement age is going to be by the time we get there. Right. We don't want to wait that long. So I think it's on an individual level. There may be, you know, just differences between generations. But I I do think it's a I see generational differences and it's going to be different. I think, you know, for millennials who are coming up, there are even some differences in kind of what are the desires and the zeitgeist, you know, Um, what are our expectations and what do we want out of work? You know, and now we're we're much more interested in, well, I mean, life work balance, right? Whatever, (laughs) however that can be achieved. But I really think it's more about life work integration. Yeah. uh, So that you don't you don't have to wait and you don't have to be someone you're not when you're at work. Yeah. Well, and there was definitely something happening at the last place I was at that just hit me like right in the gut, which which was people who, if you stayed for 10 years, you got a month off as a paid sabbatical. And there oh, were people, <laughs> they were people hanging on and like, they were, I'm at seven years. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what what is this? Because you could decide, I mean, it's almost Zen. Like you could decide today to go, you know, pursue something else and leave for a month. And like, it just was so, it was a really foreign concept. And some of the people were, were my same age. Some of them were even younger, but like, it was something I couldn't quite comprehend exactly where, yeah. I, at least where I am now. Yeah. My first ever like grown up job, I was working as a court clerk at the county court clerk's office. Okay. My dad got me this job. And a lot of the women were lifers. They had been there for years and years and years. They were awesome at what they did. But they had been in this tiny office for years and years and years. And I remember talking to one of them one day and she said something about, well, I'd love to do something different. But, you know, the health insurance plan here is so good that I can't leave. And I just thought, you know, here I am at like 18. I'm like, I will never stay at a job because of health insurance. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which now that I'm older, I I understand more, you know, why Mm -hmm. she's making that decision. But that feeling of being trapped is so awful. And once you start to wake up (laughs) to the fact that you there are options out there and you can orchestrate a change, look out because (laughs) you'll you'll be able to get yourself out of there. Right. Yeah. And then you just really never see it the same again. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, I know some of this probably ties in. Actually, it's probably a very nice segue. You talk, I know I've heard in some other interviews about like the, the stirring or the ache that someone might feel about, I think, probably understanding that they may want to leave more of a legacy. Mm-hmm. Is that what you would describe what we were just talking about? Is that awakening? Yeah, I think, you know, I think all of us have some little stirring or bubbling inside that knows that we're capable of doing something great. But maybe you don't even know what that is yet. You just think I'm meant for more than what I'm doing now, which is filing the thing and stacking the copier paper and (laughs) taking the order and convincing people to do something I don't believe in, right? And I think you're meant to do more than mindlessly go throughout your day. 
I think the hard part is when you have that urge to do something that feels important and valuable, but you don't know what that thing is. That's where the big frustration is because, you know, mm-hmm. I remember at one time thinking like, I could do anything if I just knew <laughs> what it was, you know, like <laughs> I had this energy and I, I had this ambition and this motivation and I don't know what to put my hands to, you know, so that's your big job. If you don't know what you want to do is to start figuring it out. And for the record, I don't believe that there's a, you know, capital T thing that you're supposed to do. So it's not about like going out and finding this cosmically destined thing that is your calling. Again, like be open to the fact that it's going to change as you change. So start where you are. What matters to you now? What's important to you now? What do you want to change now? And it doesn't have to be earth shattering. It can be something really small and intimate. And maybe it doesn't make a big difference to a lot of people, but that's where you start and then you follow it. Yeah. Well, and I had asked another guest. She's a CEO of an ad agency. And maybe maybe this would be an interesting one to ask you too. If somebody knows they want to stay in a corporate world, but they aren't really happy where they are. And so they're starting to interview. What would you suggest that they look for? Like, what would be the indicators, do you think, in a corporate gig that would be like, yeah, this is a good place for me? The first thing I would look for is values alignment. So knowing what your personal values are and looking to see if this is hard to determine sometimes, not if the company advertises those values, because everyone has a printed mission statement that says we value collaboration and unity and math, but do they actually do that stuff? So what I would do in an interview, I would know the kind of values that matter to me in terms of me personally, what I want to be able to contribute and also the kind of work environment that I want to be in. And I would ask questions that kind of dig at that without saying, what's your company culture like? And are you <laughs> are you two-faced in the way that you advertise and practice your values? You know, I, yeah. I, if collaboration is really important to me. I might ask something about how do different team members work together? Do you have a system in place for peer feedback or something like that, just to start to figure out, is this place, are we going to be speaking the same language here? Yeah, that's super valuable. Thank you. I was a job, not jumper, like, but I would move jobs regularly. And that was always hard because I think it partly was, there wasn't a match so much on like what I was doing and feeling that alignment with whatever it is that I'm supposed to do here on this planet. But also the like culture would be like, different than what I had thought it would be. And so then it was really confusing and I had no reason to remain in a place. (laughs) It's really hard to suss out the company culture before you're there because everyone is going to put their best foot forward and say, Mm -hmm. we do this, we value this here, you know, so you kind of have to learn to read between the lines. And this is a big one. You have to trust your gut. Even if they're not, no one's ever going to come out and say, the boss is a real dickhead and hates women, <laughs> right? right? So, but if you, so true. if you get that vibe, women, especially what we'll do is we'll be like, hmm, no, that doesn't feel right. But, oh, well, I'm going to take the job anyway. No, no, no. Listen to that little part that's going, ooh, something smells bad here. Because even if you can't put your finger on it, you're probably right. And you will find out in no short time where the bad smell is coming from. Yeah. Oh, yes. So well stated. Yeah. You have clients focus on purpose over passion. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's the draw currently? I think there's a lot of that, you know, follow your bliss, go with, you know, where do people kind of get stuck in that? And how can they if they've been trying to follow their passion, but it doesn't seem like they're coming close to what it is that they should be doing? How do you get them to shift into purpose? 
So, all right, let's talk about the difference between passion and purpose and how they show up. So I'm going to follow my passion. So what that usually means is there's an activity or a subject matter that I'm just in love with. And that's legit. I'm, I'm never trying to say that passion doesn't count. It does, but just we have to put it in its proper place. So I love this thing. I'm going to do it. I feel good when I do it. I feel alive. I feel energized. Passion is about your enjoyment of and relationship with the activity that you're doing. So if we're going to think about that contrary to purpose, purpose is not necessarily linked to one activity. It's about the connection and relationship to someone else. Mm. So let's take a musician for an example. If you've got a musician who is doing their work based on passion, it's they love to be in the studio alone. They get lost in this state of flow. They don't care if anyone ever hears their music because they just feel so filled up and alive when they play. A musician who is purpose-driven is still going to love their instrument and the music, but there's going to be a reason outside themselves that they think the music is important. Are they playing music because they want people to get out of a cubicle and have a human experience on the weekends? Maybe they're playing music because they think it's healing. Maybe they're playing music because they think people need more fun in their lives, and this is their way to help people do that. The, The musician who's over here playing just for passion, I feel like it's easier for that to fizzle and it's harder for that to monetize because here you are in a room by yourself enjoying your thing and how it makes money, how it serves someone else is totally an afterthought and is often an inconvenience. This is where you hear frustrated artists say things like, I hate money. You know, I wish I could just do this and I, you know, I hate that I have to go on Etsy or I'm not getting enough sales or I'm not, right? Mm -hmm. If it's coming from a place of purpose, from the conception, it's about how can I do this thing in a way that's going to touch someone else? How can this thing that I'm doing that I love so much contribute and be of service? So that's where we start to bridge that gap. You can do the same activity possibly, but we've got to look at it through a lens of how it connects and contributes. Yeah, and that's really deep because I think most people... What is it that probably even through school, we are taught like there is a path and Mm -hmm. it's probably love what you do and do what you love kind of messaging then comes in. And so we think we can monetize everything when some things should be just left as what rejuvenating things that we do for ourselves. Right. And you can monetize your business. Go do that. Have fun. When it's not fun, when it's not paying the bills, when you start to resent that you have to play music on the weekends, what what is the point anymore? Yeah, you're not. There's no uh, follow your passion to what like (laughs) frustration and debt, you know. Um, Yeah. You know, but if we're swinging back over towards purpose, one thing that I have my clients do, and this is because of how we're taught in school, we learn by subject matter. So, you know, what people automatically want is like, what's my job title going to be? So they start looking at job titles and then trying to work backwards from there. I don't have my clients look at job titles for three months. Because it's less about the activity and the name you put to the activity. And it's more about, again, it's that DNA of why do you want to do this? You know, what is it that you're doing and what's the environment you want to do it in? Um, We can name it later. Like that's putting a logo on the brand. Like we got to know what the substance is first. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Because I'm sure there's some people, too, that get stuck on the. I mean, just the ones that come to mind are, are, you know, like what I was like project manager. Like that sounds in my head. That sounds cool. And I was good at it. But then, yeah, if I looked at the core of what I love to do about it, 
well, that's probably closer to coaching and, and some of the other stuff that I'm doing now. But because <laughs> right. it was really more about like, I really want to connect people and their ideas and create something out of it. So <laughs> maybe that's not project management. <laughs> but I mean, or it can be called that, you know, under, yeah. you know, under that situation. So there's an exercise I have on my blog that I think listeners might like. Awesome. So when I was kind of figuring out all this on my own, like, ah, just writing and writing and trying to figure it out and crying and writing, I kind of had this moment where I was like, oh, because what I was trying to do after I was done with acting is still follow my passions, but I was trying out different Mm -hmm. passions and it just was not working out. And one day I just had this thought, what if it's less about what I do, passion, activity, and more about why I do it? Purpose intention. So I sat down and I wrote down the things that I really love to do. And then I started looking at, like you were talking about with project management, what is it about this thing that I really like? You know, if the title is actor, what is it about being an actor? If the title is teacher, what is it about that? Looking at what those things under the surface were and then seeing what they had in common. That was fascinating because then I'm not tied to looking at job titles. I can look at like my core motivations and activities, and then go outward from there. So there's a worksheet on my blog called What Your Random Jobs Have in Common. And (laughs) and you're finding what I call your through line or those common things that connect the things you really love. So you can look more thoroughly than, well, if I like teaching, I have to be a teacher or a coach or a nope. There's a whole lot more options open to you if you understand why you like teaching. That's so awesome. Yeah. And I'll link that up in the show notes for listeners. Cause yeah, I think a lot of people do, they, they're, they're trying to follow something and maybe they're not even aware of what the commonality is mm-hmm. or the thread. So yeah, that's awesome. So what does the crossroads of purpose and joy look like for you? And, and maybe with people that you've worked with? Something that I caution clients against is getting stuck in what I call Mother Teresa mode. <laughs> <laughs> and that is. That you, you know, you think that in order to do something meaningful, you've got to be, you know, wiping the runny noses of starving children and teaching adults how to read. And, you know, you have to do something nonprofit and do-gooder in order Mm. to do meaningful work. And it's just not the case. That work is needed. I mean, we need people to do those things. But what makes work meaningful is about your personal relationship to the work. So for me, I don't know, being a kindergarten teacher would not be meaningful work. It's important, but it's not something that I connect with. So when we're talking about purpose and joy, we're looking for something that you just have a deep, undeniable connection with. And another important distinction, I think, this is something that a client of mine said years ago, and I've never forgotten. She said, I love being of service. I don't like feeling like a servant. Mm. So you really want to be mindful of whatever you're doing, you've got to be getting something out of it. It can't just be, here I go again, doing this work in the world that everyone benefits from, but makes me miserable or doesn't pay me or whatever. You want it to be a reciprocal relationship so that you're enjoying and getting a lot out of whatever you're doing while it's also helping someone else. Mm, That was good. I wrote that one down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was, that's a wise client right there. Yes, Yes. Well, and to identify it too, that there's, there is a difference. Yeah. And I guess also just challenging the idea that sometimes even though you're being of service in something that, I don't know that, I mean, 
I guess where I'm coming from with this is I went to divinity school and there were a lot of people that, you know, would say, well, you're not going to make any money doing anything religious, right? Like that there's somehow that, but I mean, I would encourage people to challenge that in themselves if they've been told that there's something that they have felt like it was their purpose. Mm-hmm. Like there probably is a way to monetize. There probably that. is. But something <laughs> that I have my clients do all the time is they're like, well, I want to do this, but you can't do that. And I said, go out and find three people that are doing it. Come back and show yeah. me their business model. Tell me who they're helping, what they're selling, like the actual products or services. Tell me like the transformational aspect of what they're doing. Like, you know, I'm a diet coach. So what I'm helping people do is shed weight and embrace their life. But what I'm selling is protein powder and cookbook. No one has ever come back and said, I can't find an example. Somebody is probably out there doing something really similar, if not almost exactly what you want to do. So what do you think would surprise people about your current work? How much time I spend not doing the work. Yeah. I mean, I love working with my clients and I wish I did more of that. I spend an incredible amount of time on marketing and admin. Yeah. <laughs> well, and isn't it, it's, that's kind of interesting to me too, because if the tables were turned and somebody asked the podcast or that, like there, yeah, there's a lot of admin and you probably wouldn't think about it. So I think if you, I mean, is this worth kind of talking about? If you're looking at a career, there are those pieces that are admin related, especially if you're kind of out on your own. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, everything there's, if I'm going to be on Pinterest, if I'm going to write a blog, if I'm going to send a newsletter, if I'm going to be on a podcast, you know, if I'm going to, you know, be talking with the people in my Facebook group, if I'm going to be, you know, like if I need to update my website, oh, tech issues, going to switch my domain name from one thing to the other. Don't, oh, those are the worst, yes. you know, like you're like, I'm going to do this quick thing. And then five hours later, there it goes. There, there went my day, you know, so there's there's a lot of that. But the plus side is, I feel like it gives me such nice variety in my work day and my work week. You know, I get to write, I get to speak, I get to do a little bit of design work. I get to do some mindless tasks so that I'm not on all the time. You know, so I think that's a big shock and disappointment for a lot of people who decide to start their own business is how much time it takes to do (laughs) the maintenance stuff. But I try to, you know, like remember jobs that I've hated. And think, how much would that, Laura, have loved to sit down and write a blog post? <laughs> mm, yeah, you know, that's a really good I, I way think, to frame it. <laughs> you know, it's easy to take for granted. Like, actually, Laura, what you're doing is making a graphic for Pinterest. Like, it's fun. It's, <laughs> it is fun. Get, a, get another cup of coffee and sit down and play, you know. Yeah, even in the moments when the tech issues come up. Like, yeah, sometimes you got to get up and just take a walk outside or whatever. Right. But <laughs> at least for me, it's like, ooh, this is a puzzle. Right. I wouldn't have got to do this or I would have gotten to do this you know, sitting at the credit union, like you're about to release or relaunch your career homecoming. And so would you like to tell us a little bit about what you tackle in that course? And like, who would you say would be the perfect person to show up to take the class? Right. Okay. So your career homecoming is my career change program. It's a group coaching program, which I think is just essential because at least for me, when I was going through my own career crisis, I just isolated and didn't feel like I had anyone to talk to. So being part of this community of people who are going through the same thing, I think is just invaluable. So we've got a curriculum and it's chunked up into six modules. The first thing we're going to do is set a really strong foundation. So you get over a lot of your career baggage. 
We make sure that you're not going to try to do the boomer blueprint and all that kind of stuff. Get your mindset in the right place. And then we dive into the meat of the program, which is we're looking at the three core things you need to figure out in order to have a meaningful career. And that is the why, the what, and the how of your career. So if we're talking about why, we're talking about all these big ideas. You and I have been talking about purpose, legacy, contribution, service, impact, all those big questions that are really hard to answer. (laughs) That's where we start. Because I think if you want to have a meaningful career, you've got to start with what's meaningful. So we dig into all that stuff. And then we're going to look at what. These are your abilities, the things you're able to do, your skills, your strengths, all that stuff. Then we look at how, which is something that people overlook a lot. But we're going to be looking at the environment that you work in, the, the work pace, what kind of leadership role you have, how much you're paid, any other kind of compensation that you get. And once we've really fleshed out those three areas, the why, the what, and the how, Then we're going to start combining them together and seeing how the different elements that are important to you can come up with some contender careers is what I call them. Then once we've got your contenders, because you've looked at the why, the what, and the how that are important to you, you're able to evaluate each contender based on a personalized set of criteria. So this is not like, oh, I hate those BuzzFeed articles that are like, the top 20 satisfying careers are (laughs) totally useless because it's about what makes a difference to you. So you're able to look at that with all of your personal criteria. So once you've done that, then it's part five is about how do I make a decision? (laughs) You know, sometimes one of those contenders really pops out and someone's like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And sometimes you look at that list and there are two, three or four that look really good. So I walk you through a process of how to make a decision between them. And then at the end, we get you started. There's a, a bonus called the quit kit. And it's all about how you take those practical steps and make that transition from where you are now to the homecoming career, the ideal. And it's a practical, gradual process. And it's so exciting. It's so exciting to get to the end. I just had a round of your career homecoming wrap a couple weeks ago. And man, those ladies are fired up and it's awesome. Um, (laughs) You know, so who is this for? Who's the perfect, you know, person to do this? If you've felt that stirring, if you know you want to do something more, that you're capable of more, but you don't know what that is, this is a really in-depth process and a way to find that out. The people who do this are usually, you know, curious about personal development and they like reading and writing about all that kind of stuff. And most of my people have a real strong work ethic. Like they're not afraid to do the work. They just need to know what work to do. So so that's, you know, one great thing about the program is it's just all laid out. Like you show up and do the work and I will take care of everything else. Mm, It was helpful in my own path to kind of have that, the guidance and some of the pragmatics of like, here's what to do. I mean, because that's obviously project manager is in there somewhere. And yeah, I like to know and not just because I want to check the box, but I don't know or I didn't know how to do it. So (laughs) help, (laughs) help, please. Yeah, that's exciting. Very cool. Yeah. And I gosh, I was looking or I noticed that you have pretty amazing guest faculty, interestingly, many or some of whom have been on or will be on the show. So wow, I the guest faculty are amazing. And I learned so much interviewing them because each of them, you know, I'll pick a topic that we, you know, cover in your career homecoming, but then have them really deep dive on something that's that's within their specialty. So you just get another perspective and a little more in depth on a topic. I just I love I love their interviews. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, I saw, well, both Michelle Ward, who is, is our, yes. our comment thread. Yay! She gets so many shout outs on this <laughs> podcast. Most people are like, yay, love, love her. But also Chris Gillibo, who is, how did you structure it? So it sounds like it's, it's by the modules and then you ask them to give a little bit more of a, you said a deep dive, but like, how did you figure out how to make the course? I guess like the background of that. Yeah. So the course developed over the span of a couple of years, you know, I was working with clients and I was like, oh, you know, things are good. People are getting good results, but I feel like it could be so much better. So I, you know, started kind of shifting the curriculum and every time I worked with someone, I would make notes. Okay. They asked about this, this time, or this seemed unnecessary. So we won't do that again. And really was able to get to what people struggled with, what they needed and what was going to get the best outcomes. And I also just wanted to cut the fat, like let's not spend time doing anything that's not going to get us results. Um, Mm. So it's very results oriented. There's a lot of, you know, listen to your gut kind of stuff, but there's also a lot of like, make this list, talk to these people, do this thing. So it's also action oriented. So it, you know, it developed over the course of several years. And I still like every time I get feedback from students, I go back and I look at what they say could be different or the parts that they really loved. And, you know, I kind of tinker every time we run it. And in terms of the guest faculty, you know, I just had some people on my radar that, you know, for example, Chris Gillibo, he, he talks and writes about legacy. And that's part of what mm-hmm. we look at in module two. But I thought, you know, he's going to have insight about that that I don't because that's something that he just goes very in depth in. So I just kind of sought out some people that I knew had something more to say about a topic we were already looking into. So we've got Tara Moore, Susanna Conway, Tiffany Hahn, just a lot of great voices. And is it a live taught? Do you do you lead conference calls or? Yes, yes. Awesome. <laughs> Each module, I give us two weeks to cover it just because it is a lot of material and I don't want people to have to stop their lives to like do their homework. <laughs> you need to go on a vacation or you get sick. It's okay. You know, you'll, you, you're not going to get behind. So at the end of every module, we have a big group coaching call and, and go through everybody's questions. And I love that. I love being able to work through the specifics of what people need help on. And, and the, the Facebook group is nice too, because if you have a question on Wednesday and we don't have a call until Saturday, you ask me on Wednesday, <laughs> you know, you can get an answer right then. So you don't have to wait. So um, yeah. that's really nice too. Cool. Thank you. I just was like, wow, this is diving in a little bit. It looks like it's a really, a really cool journey to be a part of. So I, try, I will link. Yeah, I, I tried to make something like when I was having my big crisis, you know, seven years ago, part of making this was like, what would that Laura have just, mm. what did she need and what did she want? And if she found on the internet, what would make her jaw drop? You know, what would she be <laughs> so happy to have found? Um, yeah. So, yes, I hope that can be this for the people that I work with. Well, and I love that idea of like what would just the previous version of yourself really love. Uh, somebody else wants to dive into that. Diane Pauly was on, which I think she's episode 28. And she talked about that, too, like that that's really your transformation. You're teaching your transformation. So I just yeah, if there's somebody on the entrepreneurial side that's like, wait, well, more about that. <laughs> Go back and listen to that. <laughs> She's a good one. So yeah, thank you. Oh, and there'll be a link in the show notes. If you guys are curious about your career homecoming, I will, of course, link that up. Yay. (laughs) Cool. Well, is there anything else you would like to talk about or bring up? No, I would just say for those people that are, you know, that are in a job that's kind of bringing you down, there's something else out there. You know, don't give up. Don't quit. It gets a lot better. (laughs) Yes. It does. Okay, so last two questions. If someone listening has a big dream about 
how they could make a change in the world, what advice would you give to them about bringing their dream into action? Start ASAP. I mean, I have this too, like I'll wait to do it until I have more time or things are a little more polished or the website looks better. Nope. (laughs) The only way it gets better and more polished and more refined and more focused is because you start. Um, So I'd say start and then, you know, start to find or form a community around the thing you want to do because you ain't going to do it alone. Yes. I totally agree. Yeah. (laughs) Community is key. And I mean, I would add too, if like in podcasting, people are like, how, you know, how do you know how to do any of it? Well, I started (laughs) and I found a community on Facebook and I wasn't already part of one, but there already was one. So yeah, there's probably a community out there if you can't, you don't already know them. And last and most joyfully, what are three ways you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? Okay. So one of my favorite things to do, you know, you've heard of making gratitude lists where it's like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day and you're in your bed and you write down five things in your journal that you're grateful for. I feel like that's kind of cheating because (laughs) you you have stock answers in the back of your mind that you know you should be thankful for. So you're, you know, you're in your pajamas and you're like, my house, my family, my dog, whatever. Like, you don't have to think about that. So instead of doing that, I like to do something I call looking for exquisite moments. So all day long, as you're going through your day, you're kind of on the lookout for an exquisite moment. And it's just that it's a moment. It's fleeting it's not something you can go back and recreate and it's not something you're going to see and be thankful about tomorrow. And it's just a moment. So it's not an event. So it's not like, oh, my exquisite moment was when my kid rocking my kid to sleep at night. Like that's not a moment. The moment might be like when I can feel her arms relax and I know she's falling asleep or instead of being like, oh, my exquisite moment was like the birthday party my coworkers threw. It's the exquisite moment was when Sharon came around the corner and I could see there were lit candles on a cake. Mm. That's the moment. So just finding one of those a day, the cool thing is you'll be on the lookout all day long. (laughs) And for me, it just makes me so much more present and aware and appreciative of the little things. So that's one of my joy practices Two, share chocolate with a friend because chocolate (laughs) three. Okay. If we go back to the first question, I would say play with a furry animal. Or at least watch one on YouTube (laughs) because you're just so joyful and happy and there's nothing like you just don't get that from a human. Mm -hmm. My favorite is watching baby otters. Yes. Otters are especially joyful. They are. (laughs) They really are. Oh, Laura, thank you so much for being on the show. It's just been a real joy to get to speak with you. Oh, thank you. I've had a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Laura, for being on the show. It was so great getting to speak with you. And if you are interested in finding out more about your career homecoming or want to get the link over to what your random jobs have in common, just head over to the website and check out the show notes. It's at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash Laura Sims. You will see at the bottom of the show notes there, there are, there are a set of links called resources, and that's where I will link up to all of those for you. Also, since it's the end of April, I'm super excited to make the announcement about who will be on the show this next month for May. Coming up next week, I have an interview with Lexi Koch. She is a an intuitive coach, and she and I met in the Courageous Living Coach Certification Program last year. She's a dear friend, and I'm super excited that we got to catch up about our own coaching practices and where where we both are at this point a year later. 
So that's next week. After that, on deck is Holly Becker of the blog Decorate. She has several books out, all decorating and just beautiful stuff to get to dive into. So I'm so excited to get to speak with her and share that with you. The following week, I have an interview with Mai Carl, and she is an illustrator and an author. And I have a feeling it is going to be one heck of a fun interview. She and I are both a part of this year's multi-passionate must-haves bundle, which gets put out by Michelle Ward and Emily Wapnick. It really is an awesome bundle of products, all available for download. So it's a super specialized group of folks that are curated by Emily and Michelle. And in years past, the bundle has been worth around $1,200, and you can snatch that up for just 97 bucks if you follow along and buy it between May 17th and 19th this year. So it's just a three-day sale, and I've bought it every year that it's been available, and it's totally worth it. <laughs> you can spend the whole year digging into it. So Mai and I will talk about being multi-passionate slash scanner slash renaissance souls in our episode. I also have a very special probably kind of a mini episode with Michelle Ward herself. Uh, she was also on earlier this year, but or earlier this season. It'll be great to catch up with her again. And there may be a couple more this coming month. Those are the ones that I know of for sure. I've got a couple awesome people that I'm just figuring out times to speak with them. So I, you guys are in for a treat in May. So thank you so much, as always, for being an amazing audience and all of your loving comments and feedback is it always touches my heart thank you so much i hope you'll come back next week when i get to talk to lexi and until then i hope that your days are filled with so much joy